eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casaza, ready to preview Saturday's home game, final home game for West Virginia and some number of other people. I'm talking about players, of course, Chris Anderson. Senior day at Mountaineer Field. Kansas State, number 17 in the country. Neil Brown says he ranked him higher than that on his polls. Respects the opponent here. Frankly, has to beat the opponent too. Yes, he does. And I agree with him that maybe they should be ranked a little higher. I'm curious to see. You know, we don't get to see the coaches poll till after the season is over. So we have no idea. Uh no way of confirming that at this time, but uh, it is a pretty good Kansas State team that is playing very well, even with a backup quarterback, which I'm sure we will talk about here in a bit. So you and I joke a lot about how voting for all conference, conference preseason poll, top 25s, it's actually the SIDs that vote, right? I, that's what I was going to ask. I was, I was like, who, who are we giving credit to here? Do we, do we give it to uh, Mike Montoro, SID? Do we go to Coleman Barnes, who is like, you know, Neil's right-hand man? Uh, who, else we, who else do we think is in the running to put in a poll? In, Dax, in- Dax Brown, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> very, very confident Neil Brown does this and takes it seriously. I just don't see how he lets this escape him. Like, this is a privilege for him, and he wants to make sure that the coach's poll is treated with the dignity of respects. Now, I could see him setting aside time. I could. I mean, I'm I'm the kind of weirdo that would, but I, I think we'd be in the minority. So, Have you ever voted top 25? Uh, no. Oh, it's brutal. I did basketball. It was rough. Um, like, what, three times as many teams almost? Um, yeah. Granted, not many really matters. He can cut off about, I don't know, 200 of them. Um, but, man, just trying to keep up on who's what. And then that was right about the time they started making them public. That's like a, a popular thing now is, you know, publicize the votes, and all of a sudden Twitter gets really mad at, the, you know, the writer that disses their team. That was just starting when I did it, and I just said, no, thank you. 
Um, I don't think I'll ever do that again. Football might be kind of fun because you know more about it now. It's a, it's easier to know more about teams than it was back in, man, it's been maybe 10, 11 years since I did the basketball bowl. Um, but yeah, football, probably easier. Oh, I'm familiar with it because we used to do, I would put out a story. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It was after the AP top 25 came out, you know, back when West Virginia was, was getting ranked. And I would, you know, Hey, here's, here's where they were ranked by most voters, you know, uh, you know, say they were ranked 17th and, you know, it's kind of like a graph uh, out, out the line, line graph kind of thing. Like most of the voters are voting them 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. And, you know, check it like, Oh, and here are the outliers. You know, this guy really loves them and puts them at 12th or 11th. And this guy doesn't even have them ranked. And I don't know. I just, I just thought it was an interesting bit of information. It was an easy story to do and I would do it every week. And I can't remember who was that. There was somebody and he was in, I think he was in Oregon or something and was just like, can you please stop? Cause he put West Virginia, like, I mean, he had West Virginia. Uh, I think that, you know, this was like the will, one of the will Greer years and West Virginia was like fifth or sixth at the time in the poll, like definitely top 10. And he had him like 24th, 25th. Like he did, he didn't have him ranked until like they were inside the top 10 just just refused to believe the entire time speaking of four years ago tomorrow be friday right mm-hmm. west virginia was number 12 in the country 15 in the final regular season poll two weeks later has not been ranked since so I'm glad you took that trip down memory lane about what it was like to critique <laughs> the votes of a ranked West Virginia team. Don't have to tell you that West Virginia has not played a game as a ranked team in a long, long time. Also has not won three straight games in a long, long time. Three in a row is what it will take for Brown to be bowl eligible from 2001 through 2018. West Virginia missed a bowl twice. Could happen twice in Neil Brown's four seasons. You can only win one at a time. West Virginia had never beaten Oklahoma. Got that one. Now you get a ranked team at home at Oklahoma State, which has won seven in a row in the series. It's a tall task. Uh, there's some reason to believe that things are maybe creaking and breaking down with the team in Stillwater. And then Kansas State, backup quarterback, question marks. It's at Mountaineer Field. I guess if it's going to set up for a run, it could be a heck of a lot worse than this looks for West Virginia. It's not great, but it's not insurmountable, I don't think. No, I think there was a there was a podcast where you and I were discussing what was to come and how West Virginia was already struggling, and we weren't even sure that they had hit the toughest part of their schedule. Mm-hmm. They still had TCU, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and – you know, it was that that is uh, that's a gauntlet to end the season. That is a gauntlet to end the season, especially if you know Dylan Gabriel's back and Oklahoma gets their feet back under him. Um, that could be you know four or five games against top teams, and it's still tough. Like, you, but like you said, you know, Kansas State's on a backup quarterback who is playing well, um, and then Oklahoma State is—I don't know what they are. Uh, I mean. They lost a couple of the worst games I think I've ever seen them play under Mike Gundy mm-hmm. in the last month. Uh, they struggled to beat Iowa State this past week, had Spencer Sanders come out 
uh, in the second, was it the second half or second quarter? Yeah, you know, didn't look great. He's he's coming back from injury, so you understand why. But th- this last stretch is not quite as hard as I think we thought it was just a month ago. Let's begin with Kansas State, Chris, as we get into the preview here and start on offense. Um, Gabe Eichert, former center for Oklahoma, is now he works for Oklahoma's game broadcasts, um, does some serious XM stuff as a host there, too, has a tweet on November 12th. So Will Howard is just awesome now. We saw Will Howard in Morgantown two years ago. Oh, yeah. It was not awesome. Chris, nobody in the history of Kansas State football has thrown nine touchdown passes in three games. Will Howard has. What happened here? This is this is quite a bookending of uh, Will Howard appearances at Mountaineer Field. It is wild to think that it's the same guy who completed, I think, 50% of his passes and had three picks and looked absolutely flustered. I mean, I think... He got sacked a couple times. Uh, he His throws were all over the place. He couldn't hit open receivers, couldn't find open receivers. Um, like I said, three picks in that game and just an absolute blowout. Um, West Virginia just whooped him in that game. And, yeah, like you said, now here he is um, completing 63% of his passes, nine touchdowns, one interception, uh, QBR over 90 every single game. Um, that's 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 three full i mean the tcu game wasn't a full game but it was three-fourths of a game so almost three full games now so we're we're getting out of the small sample size category here and this is kind of somewhat legit like he might actually have turned a corner when he played here in 20 uh would have been 2020 right yeah okay um i talked to a a, a coach who just was like, hey, how'd they do today? And I said, oh, they, they won. Um, that was kind of a surprise at the time. Oh, how'd the quarterback do? Because um, I think there was a question as to whether or not he was going to, like, who was their starter back then? Was it, um, it was Skylar Thompson, right? Yeah, they so, were, weren't sure. Yeah, so, oh, I said, oh, the Howard kid played. And this person was very high on Will Howard, who was from, he's from Pennsylvania, not too far away. I think he had some fans in the stands, some friends of family too. But they said, no, this kid, toolsy, just played for, um, I guess like underdeveloped was the the word for like his high school career just because never really got as far as high as that people thought he would be. But they said, man, he's he's going to be good if he's, you know, led properly, which, again, coaching appears to be pretty good there. And what the offense is doing under Colin Klein's leadership, who is not renowned as a thrower, um, but he's nevertheless doing things with quarterbacks in the offense there is pretty good. It's not just Will Howard, Chris. Um, we probably won't see Adrian Martinez who's been excellent this season as well, too. Um, boy, if you can calibrate your quarterback position, you can have an offense that can awake from whatever vegetative state that the Kansas State offense had been, especially at that position the prior few years, and be much more potent uh, a season like this. You're looking at seven and a half yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, you know, just 203 yards per game, but they're efficient. Their ratings are very good. They've they've been very good through the air this year, and again, almost no matter who has been the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the passing numbers are going to be a little deflated because one, they don't run a lot of plays. Two, they run. You know, they run and they run a lot. Uh, not just the the running backs, but also the quarterbacks. Um, Martinez, like you said, had maybe six full games 
you know, obviously got hurt in two different ones uh, and had only had about 200 some yards per game in those handful, but also was averaging almost six yards per carry and had 10 rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously as West Virginia fans saw last week, there's more to it than just putting up 300 passing yards in a game. You can, if you can run for a hundred or run for 70 and, and have a touchdown or something, um, that can really make up for that extra 100 or 200 yards passing. This is the first time ever for Kansas State in the Big 12. That dates back to 1996 that they have had 375 or more yards in their first seven conference games. That's not a huge number, 375, but to be consistently at and above that is is good. I mean, West Virginia had, what, barely not even 200 against mm-hmm. Iowa State a couple weeks ago. Um they're hitting that number and clearing it every time. They're averaging over 400 yards a game um, in their 10 games this season. And granted, that's inflated a little bit by an FBS game, FCS game. Um, and again, if you look at, obviously, on the ground, people know what they can do there. They added the running back um, aspect at the quarterback, which is in the zero with Martinez. Howard doesn't run as much. Deuce Vaughn, we'll get to him. Let's just say he's back. But 64% completions is top five in school history. 1.09% interception rate is the lowest in school history. And they kind of score fast sometimes, too. 14 touchdown drives of five plays or fewer. Three pass plays, 60 or more yards um, contributing to those drives. And that's not like the thumbprint of, of Kansas State football in the past. They're still doing what they've done before. But now, a pass isn't a trick play, you know what I mean? Like they, they would seem like they would get you on some stuff when they did a pass play before. It would be a very simple thing where someone might just break a tackle or something might blow up in the back end, but they're much more capable this year. And they have one, two, three, four, five, I would say, reputable receiving options. Two receivers, three receivers, uh, a running back and a tight end. Yeah, that the having those extra receivers, I guess, you know, with with the running back, um really it's almost it's almost like the discussion this is what makes it so difficult to defend them again we're i guess i'll talk about it now but they are not a team that breaks huge plays they rank near the bottom in like 30 plus yard plays they they're just not breaking too many big ones but they're so difficult to defend and they get they just get yardage every single time and i think part of it is because one when they have a running quarterback it's the same thing you know the same positive you see with West Virginia last week with Garrett Green, where you have everyone accounted for. You have 11 guys you have to defend or block um, or try to get past that are blocking you. So quarterback makes it tougher. And then you also, in the passing game, instead of just having kind of a, a running back that's just an extra blocker or is just back there, isn't really a threat, you have another threat in the receiving game as well. So it, it really makes it tough to defend them in both the run because of a running quarterback and the pass because of a receiving running back. Numbers on Howard, deep balls, 20 yards or more. He's 8 of 16, which is 50% is pretty good. Three touchdowns, four big-time throws on the 16 attempts, probably all completions there. So four of the eight completed have been good. They can strike there, too, but also the medium stuff, too. You're talking 10 to 19 yards. That's 11 for 20. So when he stretches it out 10 yards or more, 19 to 36, is pretty good compared to what you've experienced in the past there, too. And they have some game breakers, too, with who can catch the ball. Um, They also happen to be special teams players, too, which we'll get to. But their skill on the field, they've also developed a skill on special teams, punt returner, kickoff returner. 
uh, Philip Brooks, Malik Knowles, outside guy on Knowles, inside guy on Brooks. They make plays and they've set things up to run vertical. Um, they they hardly throw screens, and which is maybe good news for West Virginia. Although West Virginia did defend screens a lot more aggressively and successfully against Oklahoma, but they've been picked apart with them this year. Don't expect to see a whole lot of that. Although maybe that's something that they pick on because West Virginia good at it once, not so good at it before. Let's see what the real deal is. But um, I guess we should probably just get the Vaughn in particular. One of the most fun players to watch in the country, I would say. Never mind Big 12, but he he can just do so many things. Runs, catches. He's an okay blocker, too, in the pocket. And they move him around. I'm not sure they necessarily hide him in formations, but they'll just put him in the slot and let him do some things. And there's not a lot of guys who get targeted deep down the backfield. He has been before. They run traditional stuff with him. Again, not a lot of screens on their offense, too. So he's running routes out of the backfield that get him open up the field against linebackers or safeties, forces a lot of missed tackles. Undersized, sure. I would not call him small, though. Big legs, break some tackles. But I don't know. The Darren Sproles thing has been something for a couple of years people have said that applies, which is probably very easy to to reach for and embrace because of Kansas State. But you know, Brown said Barry Sanders with some of the tackle breaking and the balance because of his big base that he has with his legs. Somewhere in between probably is Deuce Vaughn. Just, just a good player, fun to watch. And he's had a mixed bag of success against West Virginia. Not great two years ago. Really, really good last year. Uh, he's been terrific again this season, though. Um, I'm glad you went with him because there, there's some a couple kind of fascinating trends or, well, at least trends that maybe could be exploited by West Virginia with Vaughn at least lately. Um, one of them has been tied to Will Howard at quarterback um, in games where Adrian Martinez is the quarterback. Deuce Vaughn has about a 50, 50 split in when they run like a zone scheme or a gap scheme and they have a zone run versus gap run when it's a 71 to 67. So slightly more zone than gap, but basically 50, 50. When Will Howard is the quarterback, in the three games where Will Howard has been the quarterback for Kansas State, it is now three to one in favor of gap scheme Hmm. for Deuce Vaughn, 44 to 15. Um, That is going to pull at one. I think I I don't, I'm trying to figure out why, because that's that's what's fascinating me about this one, because typically you're changing your scheme because of the running back, the style of running back you have or the style of offensive lineman you have not because of the quarterback unless the quarterback changes the dynamic of your offense but is will howard that drastically different than adrian martinez like i feel like they're both predominantly run quarterbacks um that can pass the ball when they need to so i I don't think you change it for that but it's it's a strange twist because even when they came back to martinez for the one game two weeks ago it switched back to zone scheme when you know again almost a 50 50 split and then came back to gap scheme when Will Howard was the quarterback. So that's something to keep an eye on. That's something that, you know, West Virginia's defensive front and, and front seven can can scheme for and can plan for. Um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on those edge guys because the edge guys are going to be put into conflict on on what to do when Vaughn is coming their way. Uh, and it, edge guys, linebackers, uh, they're really going to have to make some decisions. Obviously, you're always going to have to when you face Deuce, Frown, Deuce Vaughn. But – just strange to me that they changed the whole scheme and hey, those people that get paid a lot, lot more than me to coach football, they could probably figure out some reason why and how to exploit that. 
my armchair analysis here, Chris, would be that they probably did a lot of RPO stuff with um with Martinez, mm-hmm. which can be zone based. You can do power behind it. Don't get me wrong, but I wonder if with Howard now, it's just more quarterback power and counter plays, and then that Vaughn could just fit into that. Um, also, I, I really like him behind counters and and. If you look at like what Oklahoma did last week, pulling their guards and tackles, or when West Virginia has pulled centers and tackles this year, I like that with a smaller guy like him, who's explosive. Don't get me wrong, um, but behind those big guys who are moving, because all of a sudden you got to find him and someone who's that good, that fast, that strong, that hard to get down, he's on you, fast. That's that's not fair. <laughs> right? uh, Thirty-seven missed forced. Forced missed tackles this year by him. Um, that's going to be up there for, again, a guy who you'd think is small is going to go down easily or maybe try to get out of bounds. No, he takes plays on. He's he's pretty good there too. Howard only runs 17 times this year, three games. And then again, obviously, if your starter is hurt, you really have to be careful how much you run your quarterback who's healthy. So that has been something I'm sure they monitor with him too. But the other thing is too, is that Vaughn becomes a little bit easier to combat when you don't have to devote eyes and defenders to the running back so um, he's been okay without it don't get me wrong but i wonder if that might be something they try to spice up a little bit this week get him going too what do you think of their receivers here chris game breakers and the special teams aspect that have become i mean really potent receivers here too again relative to the success of their passing game it's good their numbers aren't tremendous but uh, these are guys who can open up and run by some people too yeah i think it's important to put some context around it because big picture it's not a very explosive offense. They they rank you know near around hundredth in the country mm-hmm. in thirty plus yard uh, plays from scrimmage. Period. Even lower in pass plays, um, but they also don't run a lot of plays. They rank a hundredth in the country out of one hundred and thirty one teams in pace of play. So they're playing fewer plays. They're getting fewer big plays, but maybe their rate is about the same as other people or a little better than you might think. Uh, so when they are running plays, guys are making it. Uh, they're wide receivers. They got some decent ones. Um, Knowles, uh, Brooks, those guys can get downfield. They can catch They can catch the short ones, and they can get downfield a little bit. Knowles gets a little bit more yards after the catch than, um, than Brooks does. But both of them, their average depth of target is around 10 yards downfield. So, again, they're not catching too many – quick little hitters and then trying to get stuff in space. They're actually running legitimate routes and getting downfield and forcing guys to ta- to to tackle them once they make that catch. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Two guys to watch. Cade Warner. 
Kurt Warner's son. <laughs> the one who's not playing quarterback at Temple has become a really good player for them. Lately, too, he's been hard to stop. Last three games, 14 catches, 175 yards, three touchdowns. He leads the team with five touchdown receptions. He's been open a bit. He just kind of runs routes all over the field. He can get deep, but you're talking for the season now, 30 catches, 348 yards again, five touchdowns. And, uh, man, I hate to do this. Ben Sanat, tight end. Kansas State tight ends are always good. West Virginia, I think just because it's a gag, sometimes we talk about how good the tight ends are. I thought they did a really good job against uh, Brennan Willis last week for Oklahoma, trying to make sure he didn't get free up the seam. Now, upon rewatch, I was wondering why after the game they didn't get him involved more. Well, they covered him. So good for them. Anyways, Ben Sinat, 6'4", good receiver, blocker too. Last game, last game, seven catches, 89 yards, two scores. He had seven catches for about 80 yards and no scores in the prior five games. So another option there to look at. And again, if you match up with West Virginia's defense, sometimes you say, hey, might be able to do some things there too. Interesting thing about Kansas State here. There's um, what they call the echo rate, which is basically, I guess the guy named Echo came up with this. But what it does is it measures how many quality possessions you have per game. There's things involved there about relative to the field position, how much you move it, do you flip the field, first downs, whatever, right? But Kansas State, only 47% of the time, has a productive possession. They get 4.8 points per productive possession. The 47.8%, number 82 in the country, so pretty close to the bottom, 131 teams. But the 4.82 points number 16 in the country. So they don't get a lot of possessions that are productive, but when they do, they make them count. This sounds as simple as third down success, but also first down success. And here's where things are weird. They're not very good on third and fourth down. 38% of the time, number 97 in the country, third and fourth down success. They were one for five on third down and a loss to Tulane. They've had some one-fers on third down this season, too. However, they're a top 25 team when it comes to getting first downs on first down. I don't know where to go with this. These are these are extremes <laughs> to me. Like They're not always productive on offense, but when they are, they're very productive. I would assume this would be, hey, get in their backfield, make negative plays. Let's see if their passing game can do it. Don't let Deuce Vaughn run wild, but there's something there. Like This is not an inconquerable offense. You're right, Chris. They do not have explosive plays. They do drive on people. They do have the 14 touchdown drives of five plays or fewer. They have many more that were longer drives, too, which is kind of indicative of the stat I'm talking about here. So how do you get them into not productive possessions? And then if they do start to move it, they're going to have to find a way to limit the points. One thing is that West Virginia's red zone defense has been better lately. I'm going to write about that later in the week. It's not great, but it's been better. And... Kansas State two years ago, one of the best red zone offenses in the country. They've been pretty average the last two seasons. The it I love that you brought that up about the plays and, and how it happens and what happens because it was, I think was it was the last game or two games ago, I think the first handful of drives, I was like, something's not making sense here because West Virginia's first down plays were, you know, six yards, five yards, six yards, ten yards, six yards. Yet they couldn't sustain a drive. And it was like, how is how can you have success on first down 
and you know put yourself in more manageable you should be putting yourself in more manageable third downs and you should be sustaining drives except West Virginia would follow up a decent play to a good play with a negative play or a zero play and that's just not something that um Kansas State does they are one of the best teams in the country in tackles for loss allowed like how how often they get tackled behind the line of scrimmage uh, they are one of the best teams in the country in sacks allowed. Uh, Will Howard, according to what I'm looking at right now, has not officially been sacked mm-hmm. in his three games, not once. Um, they allow opposing teams on average only get three tackles per loss per game this year. So you know, you think back to the situation I'm talking about with West Virginia, where like, oh, they go forward six yards, but then you know, they, and then they go backwards five because of a penalty. And, and then they throw an incomplete, and all of a sudden it's third and 11. That's not happening to Kansas State. They're getting six, and then two, and then two, or whatever, and they're keeping it going. And again, they, they don't have great success on third down, like you said. Like, they're not amazing at it, but they're just not moving backwards and not putting themselves in a bad position, which I think is part of the reason why their offense is when you look at all a lot of the other metrics, you're like, how is this, how is this offense working? Um, and a lot of it is they just don't have negative plays. I will save everybody the agony here and not recite West Virginia's rankings and percentages for Echol and for first down success and third and fourth down success. We'll instead flip Chris to the Kansas state defense here. This does seem like what we're familiar with when it comes to Kansas state, they have a pass rusher, they have veterans. It's not a ton of junior college guys, but they're big in the secondary again, too. They force a lot of turnovers here. 13 interceptions, I believe, one of the top numbers in the country. Have a great pass rusher that we mentioned with Felix. Um, we'll just say he's he's very good. I'll get his name right here in a minute here. And Aduke Azoma. Azoma, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. This, this is a formidable team. And again, all the, the rankings here, again, there's nothing that makes you go, oh, man, they're really impressive, except that when it comes to like discipline stats or when it comes to a time or a moment where they have to really be good, they are but they can be had too. They've given up some point totals this year. Um, presuming Garrett Green's a starter here. Where does he begin? Where does West Virginia begin? Well, I think again, this is going to be another situation where it might be best if Garrett Green is a starter or uh, having a mobile quarterback as a starter. Um, you mentioned um, Anadoke Azoma. Uh, I remember, was it, I think it was last year, right? Or two years ago where it was, did he just break the single game record for most sacks in a game? It was um, six that got amended to three or something. Wasn't it crazy like that? Yeah, exactly. And, it, and that, it was just like, Hey, whatever the number is, you know, whether it was six sacks or, you know, cause one, right. One of them was like a sack, but then it ended up being a fumble and the ball went forward. So then it just became a regular tackle for loss instead of a sack and just, just stupid stuff like that. But know in your mind that he had six sacks or seven sacks, whatever it was. Um, and he's still good. He's still amazing. Uh, he is second in the Big 12 with 35 pressures on the quarterback. He is third in the Big 12 in win rate, which is when he goes one-on-one with an opposing blocker in a, in a pass set and wins that battle. He is third in the entire Big 12 conference. And that this is just going to put a, a bright, big spotlight on Wyatt Milam at left tackle because while some um, defensive linemen, you know, flip sides, they flip not really inside out, but left side, right side, strong side, weak side. That's not the case 
with Kansas State, or at least not the case with uh, Uzoma, because almost 90% of his snaps come lined up right over the left tackle. So 90% of the time, he is going to be facing off against Wyatt Milam on Saturday afternoon. And 90% of the time, Wyatt Milam is going to have to bring his A game because that is going to be a matchup to watch because he is a guy that wreaks havoc uh, in the backfield. And whether it's in the passing game or even he could just obviously disrupt the run by getting pressure back there. So that is, I can tell you right now, um, Anadoke Uzoma versus Wyatt Milam is going to be one of my three key matchups and maybe number one uh, in the three keys later this week. It might be two of the three keys too. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Their run defense is not great. I don't know why that it's been, it's, it looks like it's fine on paper, uh, rushing defense, 61 in the country, 143.8. However, um, man, 220 against Oklahoma, 215 against TCU, 269 against Texas. That's two of their losses in a shootout that they got into. There's something there too. Um, granted, they can also shut a team out like they did against Oklahoma State, 54 yards rushing, uh, 78 against Iowa State. 160 against Tulane. Eh, that's interesting. Uh, also, again, they lost 17-10. But um, is there something to their success? I guess how about this? What is it when they are bad that makes them bad? Is it the opponent? Is it a scheme? Is there something common with those those big numbers that I mentioned there? That's a good question. I was hoping you'd tell me. Okay. Gabriel runs at Oklahoma, yep. right? Um he did not have it against West Virginia in the same regard last week, but that's a guy who can open up and go. So you're like, all right, well, let's see. What's the deal here? West Virginia's going to have Gary Green. What are they going to do? Uh, 61 yards against Kansas State. That's not impressive. So what is that? I don't know. Then you go, okay, well, what about TCU? Max Duggan, that's a runner. We've seen him do some things. They're very good in the ground. They get a ton of yards. Well, Duggan hasn't run a whole lot this year. Wonder what he did against Kansas State. 15 carries, 13 yards. All right, well, Texas. Well, that's just B. John Robinson. So that'll happen there, too. It's not a quarterback thing, um, but they can get beat up sometimes by running backs, and it looks like by multiple running backs, too. And I just think, like, sticking to it, that has hurt them when it has happened, too. They're not huge up front. They play a 3-3-5 now. That used to be an even front, you know, all the time before they always had like those big guys that could rotate in the middle with their ends that kind of pinched or crashed or whatever, a little different. Now three, three, five has been good to them though. Since they did it, they've been averaging fewer than 19 points allowed, excuse me, fewer than 20 points allowed 19 and a half since the start of last season, their rushing defense has been good. I think similar to a lot of the stuff here too. Like I mentioned sixties and rush defense, pretty average number when they're bad, they're bad. But when they're good, no one really does stuff against them too. They can have bad days, but they're able to cover it up too. Um, West Virginia, Green, sure. Mathis, Johnson, maybe Anderson. None of them was great last week. Perhaps they all get to go here and try to make this work. I think you kind of have to swing the axe and see if you can maybe knock that over at some point. Looking back in their secondary, I'm curious what happens with Kobe Savage out. Their starting strong safety suffered a knee injury last week and is supposed to, I believe he's done for the season. Um, not going to be back for Saturday. I don't believe, at least not as of the time that we are recording this. And the options behind him currently on the depth chart. Yeah, so he's not even on the depth chart anymore. He's been removed from the depth chart. And in his place is the good old-fashioned or TJ Smith and Sincere Mason. Mason's been playing a good bit as kind of that 
fifth, sixth, you know, nickel corner slot guy that comes in. Um, decent in coverage, but the second highest missed tackle rate among their defensive players. And then the other option, TJ Smith, who who played his most snaps last game, which was the game that uh, Savage got hurt in. And he's been picked on a little bit in the secondary. Uh, the completion rate is not high. I think it's only a little over 50%. But opposing teams have got into the end zone on him, have broke some big plays on him when he's in coverage. So I'll be curious to see if and or how West Virginia tries to pick on that position on Saturday. About 80% zone. So not a lot of man for West Virginia there, too. And listen, they can get cracked. They can get anything can happen against him, too. But they don't have anybody who's given up more than two touchdowns. Highest completion percentage for for somebody who's been – uh, I would say in coverage a lot. You know, I'm not talking linebackers, but you have to go way down the list here to Josh Hayes, 62% of the time. But that's not bad for a corner, especially when you're playing a lot of zone too. You're going to get up some catches there and just going to rally and make the play too. But they get their hands on balls. They intercept passes um, for the season here. The pass breakups, you have a lot of players with multiple ones. Interceptions, again, one of the tops in the country. Uh, Kobe Savage leads away with three. Uh, Julius Brents, Sincere Mason, Daniel Green, they all have two. They have guys who who do stuff in that zone that are active. Um, good secondary. It'll be a test for West Virginia's receivers to be a little bit better than they were last week. Let's wrap it up, Chris. Are you ready? Yep. Sometime Saturday evening, we meet, we talk. Who, what are we talking about to explain the outcome here? So many, uh, th- I think this might be the most options we've had for a game on who or what we talked about. I think every time we come into this segment, I'm down to one or two people that it's going to be a discussion about. Um, you know, if they win, I think we're talking about Garrett Green again because I think he's he's going to be a part of it. And not just because of his feet, but because he's going to be asked to throw. And so I think we will be discussing him if they win. If they lose, we're going to be looking at that defensive line. It's going to be on them to kind of pick up the pieces and and try to handle that rushing uh, rushing attack from Kansas State, trying to keep up with Deuce Vaughn. And, well, no, let's not say them because they're going to be occupied with blockers. I'm going to look at, like, Lee Koba, extra low. How many missed tackles do they have trying to get their hands on a guy like Deuce Vaughn? So there's my two-pronged answer. I'll stick a quarterbacks. I'll go the other side. Is Will Howard awesome? I don't know. I've seen the numbers. I've seen a little bit of him play. The offense is different when Martinez is in because you have that running threat. Um, He's not explosive. The offense isn't explosive. West Virginia's defense has played better. It has bent. It hasn't bent as much. It's been okay in the red zone, better in the red zone, not great. It does give up big plays, but Kansas State doesn't really aim for the stars on offense. I wonder if they can keep driving against West Virginia's defense, which sounds like such a strange thing, but – you look at things teams haven't really done that of late it, it has happened small samples we're not talking about a going way way back but it's been better if Howard is awesome then he wins this game because he found ways to do it he's coached up and made it happen does he run a little bit does he hit some plays we'll see but if Will Howard is you know version 2020 it's a different story and then probably West Virginia has a really good chance at this here too wild card Vaughn is he 20 21 is he 2020 Vaughn against West Virginia that probably goes without saying plenty more coming up in the site there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes as you know athletic director search question marks about the status of the head football coach Neil Brown can probably submit a CB in some form or fashion 
with a win or a loss on Saturday. I'm ready to go. How about you, Chris? I am. Let's let's real quick on that one on that topic right there. Let's go ahead and answer for everybody. We are not expecting any surprises Saturday night after the game, regardless of outcome. Correct? Grab the Dr. Pepper, Chris. Okay. Because, well, I'm just, I, I was worried about it. And they came out and they said, you know, they're not making any decisions till they hire an athletic director. I do not expect them to hire an athletic director in the next 48 hours. But you never know, man. People say all sorts of things, um, as we know. And, but I, I think it's, you know, they're going to stick true to their word on this one because I just don't, there's no point in making a move without an athletic director. So until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.